The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue Baloo, what is, I never know, by the way, we're on YouTube now. I never know whether, whether to look at the green light or to look at the boxes where we are. I can't make up my mind. Sometimes I play directly to the green light, and then sometimes I forget, and I'm talking down low. Well, what's weird about talking to the green light, you know, it's kind of like you're you're on a show. You're you're like on you're on TV, correct? And you're talking to the home audience. You know, you're talking to the home audience. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's weird because we're actually having a conversation. Yes. So not looking at you is really odd. The one thing I, uh, the one lesson I learned from when I did a lot of stuff uh, on television, especially at ESPN in Bristol, was always find your single, find your single, then go for your. So the green light is is our single. Um, and I guess this would make this our wide. I mean, you're in the show business. Is this our wide shot or is this a, this obviously isn't a single? Well, on each of us, it is. I guess we each have a single. We That's each have a single. That's thing. Yeah. Yeah. By right. the way, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, uh, please do that. Just go to uh, YouTube.com and search Culture Pop Podcast and we will pop right up. Great guest today, Cassidy Freeman, who is one of the stars of Righteous Gemstones, which is one of my favorite funny shows on TV. Now, Sue, you had something to sort of get started with today. Yes. So this is what I want to pose to you. Okay. You go out to eat with an acquaintance. Okay. And they order something that exceeds what you've ordered in price. So they order the more the more expensive. The more thing. expensive. They get item. the surf and turf, whatever it is. And you get a salad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or something lesser. Yeah. The bill comes and they don't offer to pay more. Now they're not a good friend. They're an acquaintance. An acquaintance, okay. Do you just you know what? We're out to, I'm out having a meal. Just let's just split it. Or do you say something and I am say, split I'll, it I'll, okay, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to split it. Like, for example, if you've been in one of those big group things where uh, all of a sudden the check comes and the, this lady's like, well, I didn't drink any. I, I, he had three drinks and, you know, he got the more expensive thing. It's like, no, just cut the crap and just just make it easy. I, I'm, you know what I'm now against? I'm against confrontations. I don't want to have any more confrontations. I want to avoid controversy. I want to be very uh, contra- uh, conflict averse now. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to split it down the middle. Yes, I do that too. Okay. I have another restaurant scenario. Okay. Years ago... I had lunch with a newer agent at uh, my where my representation was. Right. And my my agent said, I want you to go out to lunch with him. I want you to get to know him. And I said, great. So 
my agency was blocks from my, from where I lived. Okay. So there was a restaurant in the neighborhood that I suggested that we meet at. Mm-hmm. And it was a restaurant that my landlords owned. Okay. And I was very friendly with my landlords. Got okay. It. And I used to eat there all the time. And it was during the time when I was working on Ellen's sitcom and I was ordering in a lot of food and they were so gracious to me. They would always give me at least an appetizer or a dessert for free nice. every time I ordered. That's okay? nice. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a big tipper. I used to be a waitress. So I, I come from that world being, yes. you know, um, being a server. So. We eat, yep. the bill comes, he pays and leaves the most outrageously bad tip. Oh, no. Like maybe, maybe 10%, maybe oh, less. Oh, no. And this is a place you go to all the time. This is a place I go to. You yeah. know, this is like my cheers, you yeah. know? So we leave and I'm mortified, right? You already know what the tip is. Did you see what he wrote down or did I he saw, pass? I, you? Oh, you I, saw it. I saw, I saw oh. what he left. So we leave and, um, I walk out with him and then I, you know, I said goodbye. He walks away. I went back in and left more money. Yeah. Would I have done the same? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the one thing I noticed, even at my very low level of quasi well-known famousness in Los Angeles, I never know who is there. And I just wonder if they happen to know who I am. And the reputation gets out that I'm a bad tipper. Now, I will say this, too. Um, you know, I, I'm i a big, I, for some reason on the show, I give this reputation of being a bad tipper. I'm a, I'm a very good tipper. I tip really well. Um, I over tip probably, uh, which I think is okay because that money in the hands of a server is going to be more valuable than it is uh, to me at some point. So I do believe in tipping. But in this particular scenario, I would go back in, especially given the fact that I go there all the time and I throw a little extra money on the table. Right. See, my rule is I don't care how bad the service is. They will always get 20%. Really? No matter what? They will always get 20%. And if they're amazing, then I go beyond. Okay. So tell me if this is not cool. Tell me if this is not cool. So... If the service is, now I understand people get stuck in the weeds and there are too many tables and all that stuff. If the person is not polite, if they're not friendly, if they're not warm, if they don't give a damn, I don't leave a tip. You don't leave a tip at all? No. Oh, wow. I've never not done that. I mean, there, there have been times where I, I have left a, a, a lesser tip, but I've never left nothing like i remember when i was a, a kid you know yeah. teenager high school whatever you go out to lunch and um you know kids like the worst tippers in the world sure and if and if it was um if it was a bad uh waitress or waiter uh we would leave money like like a like you'd leave like a penny or something um under uh like a, a of like a glass or something, mm-hmm. or you'd leave it like under like a little bit of ketchup. I mean, it was just leaving it right. just to stick it in that you were really, really bad at your job. Um, so I had wow. a time where I was very, very infuriated by the service. And this was years ago. 
So and this is why I have the reputation for being a bad tipper, because I've told this story in the show. So really rude, really not cool. I was infuriated. I was really upset. So there was a napkin on the table and I had a pen and I wrote on the napkin, your tip is on the other side. And when you turned it over, there was a smiley face emoticon and it said smile. Wow. Now, was that a dick move? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. You know, I, look, I, unless you, unless you go, you've gone back to the same restaurant and had the same server. Right. You don't know what was going on that particular day for somebody. But look, if someone is rude, you know, you're, you're more apt to not reward them for, right. for their job. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty bad. Your tip I mean, is on I, the I other just side. Smile. Yeah. 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 You'll, you'll, you'll see your, you'll see your tip on the other side <laughs> as they would say at MSNBC. Um, yeah, I, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, but, um, it's a tough gig. And then, you know, cause I've, I've been on, on the side of being a great, great server yes, yes. and not getting a what really good What restaurant did you work at? Um, I worked at many. I worked at this restaurant in New York. It was called the Paul Revere restaurant. Okay. It was in a uh, 50 something street by on, on the east side. Yeah. And my brother had gotten me the job and, um, I always had issues with my boss. I mean, he liked me because he yep. thought I was very funny and he knew I was a good waitress, but we were supposed to wear like a certain outfit. It wasn't like a uniform, but sure. white shirt, tan skirt, whatever. And, you know, I, I more often than not, I would I wouldn't adhere to the dress code. So, you know, I'd get like a look from him when I'd walk in and then, you know, it would go away. So one day and it was a big lunch business lunch rush restaurant. Okay. And this guy walks in with this woman and he tells me that he's in a rush. And can you please get the food out quickly? I said, no problem. So um, food comes out quick. I actually gave them free drinks. Okay. They were, they, you know, they were nice. And I, I didn't know what was going on, whether they were a couple or they were work, they, whether they worked together. So he tells me that he's in a major rush and then he sits there for like an hour, an hour, hour and a half after he's done. And this is a lunch rush. Right. So I've got to turn tables over in order to make money. And yeah. it happened to be a really, really crappy day of tips for me. Okay. So. I hand him the check. He puts down his card. I pick it up. And he le he left me a less than 10% tip. Oh. After the service was amazing. Yeah. And I, I went really way beyond. Okay. So I looked at it. And as he was getting up, I said, I just want to know, was there an issue with the service? And he said, uh, no, not at all. It was great. Uh, is there something wrong with the tip? And I said, well, you know, it's customary at that, at that time, I guess it was 15%. Yeah. Right. I said it was customary to leave 15% and, um, you left less than 10. So I just want to know, were you not happy with the service? And he starts to change it. And then he gets a look from the woman. Yep. And he, then he looks at me and he says, you know what? How dare you question my tip? 
in front of my guest and he's yelling at me yeah. in my station. Everybody turns around. Yeah. And my boss happens to be walking up from the kitchen and hears it and walks by and just kind of whispers to me, you're too much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy just, and they left. Yeah. And and then after the lunch, my boss says, come here. I want to talk to you upstairs. Come upstairs. <laughs> and he fired me. Oh, did he? Yeah, he fired me. And he and he said, you know, uh, you can't do that. And I said, I I got like the worst tips. I, I I can't pay my rent on this money. And you know what? When somebody does the wrong thing by me or any other wait staff, yeah, you there's nothing you could do. You can't come to our rescue. Right. You can't, you're not going to make it up to us. You're not going to. And and I and and can I, I, I did, can I just say. Yeah. I, I find what you did totally inappropriate. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 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 That you went back and said, hey, wait a minute. I didn't this go back. Like I didn't 11%. go. 11%. Well, yeah. It, you know what? It was a hard, like, I, like you, you never know what's going on with somebody yeah, right, when they right. do things. It was a horrible day. Yeah. Every, it's like everybody had stiffed me that day. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you take it so personally. I know you're not supposed, you know, customers always write and all that. But so I got fired. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame for arguing over a tip. What yeah. are you going to do? Um, I used to wear, I worked as a waitstaff guy at uh, D. Benedetto's restaurant on East Murray Street at Bowling Green State University, Bowling Green, Ohio. And I was the sandwich making guy. And I would, uh, what I remember about this, I don't remember much about this job. I had it for one summer. Um, you know, you'd make sub sandwiches, et cetera, pre-portioned meat, all that. Um, but I got to slice the meat, which was, <laughs> which was, which was interesting, uh, cause it made me freaked out because I just imagined the blade. Cutting off a finger? Yeah. Cut off a finger, lose a finger. So anyway, roast beef was the most delicious thing. So, um, I would cut down the roast beef and I cut it all, all the way down to nothing. And then the heel I would take with me and I would eat it later at home. Have you ever eaten a roast beef heel? No. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. It makes me so nauseous just because I don't eat meat, but go ahead. You don't eat any meat? No. I mean, I eat chicken. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't eat red meat. You don't eat red meat. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Red meat is delicious. Don't you miss it? No, not at all. Oh my God. I love good, good steak. Give me a good steak. Anyway, the roast beef heel, you should try. I think you can order it. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, try Jimmy it now. John's. Now that I don't eat red meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, check it out. Just, it's a Jimmy just, John's. Just because you're telling me how great it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Uh, let's jump in here. Our guest today has starred on shows like Longmire, Smallville, and The Vampire Diaries. She is currently one of the stars of the hilarious Righteous Gemstones, which has just returned for season three on HBO. Cassidy Freeman joins us. Cassidy, thank you so much for doing this. Happy to be here. So I love Righteous Gemstones. We both love the show. One of my favorite shows on TV right now, John Goodman and the great Danny McBride and Edie Patterson. Such a great cast. Really funny. And you are you are great in it. You're great in it. Thank you. So how did the casting work? How did you wind up in this role? Were there uh, personal connections? Was it just a straight up audition? How did that work? You know, it's it's an interesting story. Um as you probably can tell, Danny likes to work with the same people. He kind of finds his crew. 
um, and then often finds roles for them, which I think is really cool. Um, this actually came about because his previous show, Vice Principals, um, was casting when the show Longmire that I was on was had been dropped by A&E and had not yet been picked up by Netflix. And so I actually auditioned for that show. Um, it was a huge opportunity, never really having done comedy. And he was in the room. And I mean, it, I had to go through like seven different auditions to get in there. And um, they wanted me to be on the show. And then right when we were kind of talking about that possibility, given the fact that, you know, Net Longmire had been canceled, Netflix picked up Longmire. So I had to back out. Um, and I was sad about it, but happy that Long, you know, bittersweet. Sure. Um, and then uh, I thought that opportunity had flown and I was bummed by that because I really liked it. But then after Longmire ended and the show came, they called me in for an audition. I auditioned. I was like, even if I don't get it, I'm just so glad they remembered me or they wanted to bring me back. And then it all worked out. So I love silly. That is one of my favorite things. And I don't know how you guys keep a straight face. Like <laughs> when you're when you're shooting, is there a day where you get through everything without breaking and cracking up? I don't I don't know how if it's even possible. Well, it's uh, it's not actually it's not possible. Um, we absolutely crack up and we make each other laugh, which is probably why you can feel that we're having a lot of fun when we're making the show. Um, but I'd say, you know, it, I think we also can tell when each other are about to break and we try to like, not really look at but you know, not look directly at them trying. It's like, it's like being in church or like for me, like yoga class, like when something, you know, like somebody farts in yoga class and you like sure. can't stop yourself from laughing. It, yeah. Filming the show is like farting in yoga class. We'll just leave it at that. There you go. That's an excellent, excellent description. Excellent description. So I, you know, I, to me, Danny McBride, you know, Eastbound and Down, all the stuff he's done, a huge fan. And then, uh, you know, Adam Devine, I, I knew as well going into the show. Edie Patterson, I mean, she is so, Sue used the word silly. She's so silly. She's so weird. Um, is there, is yeah. there something in that, that that carries over to real life? Oh, man. I mean, she's a, she's a goddamn unicorn. Like, she's just, she's one of the most talented, like, just free, um, incredibly present comedians and actors I've ever worked with. Um, also, I'm, like, wildly in love with her. We're pretty much... Like both of our partners are cool that we're also kind of married. Um, <laughs> she's, she's one of the greatest humans as well. She cares so much. And this is something like this ability for her to be in a character. Like, like I'm so excited because this is really her, like this is such a shining moment for her. Something that she's been able to do since she was a little kid. She now gets celebrated and gets the chance to do. And it's, you know, if you live in Los Angeles, she's part of the groundlings. You may have gone and seen her live. Um, I have like, she does this show called one where it's literally just her improvising an entire hour long show and playing all the characters. And I sweat through all of my clothing before trying, like waiting for her to get on stage. I was so nervous and she just slays it all. Um, so, you know, it, it is something it is in her. She's not like Judy, but I think she loves playing Judy because it's like the uninhibited version of all of us. If we could just say everything we wanted to say in a moment, um, and just feel our emotions to the fullest. And I think that's so fun for her to play. And she's great at it. There's this crazy scene I was going to just say where she's 
in this argument in a bathroom. This was in season two, and I'm trying to remember <laughs> the exact sequence, but she winds up in this confrontation in the bathroom. And when she gets really, really mad, she goes to the bathroom stall and closes it like she's leaving instead of leaving <laughs> the bathroom. It is so damn funny. It's so weird. It's so funny. Yeah, I think that's with BJ's sister. Um, yes, when yes. they're having their like bad '80s girl moment in the bathroom, um, who was actually played by Tim Baltz's real life wife. Oh, okay. Um, oh, which wow. is which was even more fun. Who's also a very talented comedian. So it was. I think it was a layered, a layered experience and really cool to watch. All right, let's talk wardrobe. <laughs> oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do so, it. So, do you know, like, like whenever I like Danny McBride, well, his hair, just his yeah. hair alone is, is hysterical. But mm-hmm. do you like if you see people like coming out of um, coming out uh, into you know out of trailers or whatever, and because you don't know what people are going to be wearing before you actually shoot, do you? Not often. No, unless it's something like crazy. Um, but no, not often. So continue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say that just, just the wardrobe alone. Now, do you, do you have any, uh, input sometimes on, on what you think Amber would wear or it's, it's, do you, do you, or is that I just mean, what, whatever the wardrobe could put you her, in? Her style is so far from my personal style that I really give it up to our costume designer. Um, uh, Christina Flattery this this season before it was Sarah Trost and um, I, I really give it up to them because they they're going to go a hundred miles in a direction I never would have thought. Um, the only kind of veto power I get is if I can breathe or if I can sit down um, or if like w- like the heels like what am I doing am I am I running in the scene because I I'll break my leg. Um, but other than that, I kind of don't even get a say. And I, and I love it. I love just getting to be styled by these incredibly talented people. So when I was at college, uh, my roommates <laughs> yes. and I watched uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker after class every single day. It wow. was this crazy, weird combination of pseudo-Christianity slash panhandling slash <laughs> comedy. It was just like, the craziest. So, wait, so you were you were watching it for like um, its entertainment value, or oh, you were for watching its entertainment it? okay. value? Okay. Oh no, believe <laughs> it's me. Like, let's get real here. Okay, uh-huh. no, it was so entertaining. <laughs> so, did you do any research into mega churches or televangelists before you started shooting? You know, I didn't. I've done more since we started, only because the things that we do in the show end up actually happening in real life, and then we're kind of like, wait, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like. We think we're creating these insane situations and then, and then they happen. Um, I didn't do a lot of research because I think with such a very specific type of person, it's easy to do a caricature or it's easy to like imitate. Mm-hmm. And I think what is interesting about this show and why people do gravitate towards it as something that affects them emotionally, not just entertainment value is that these people are like somewhat relatable. Like they have to believe themselves. They have to come off as authentic or else you're sort of like, why do I care about this like raging a-hole? So I think I didn't do it because I didn't want, I, I wanted it to come from me. I wanted it to be like, if Cassidy really thought this, you know, like hmm. if, if like, where's the real emotion in this? But since then, because all these documentaries have come out, I have watched them and they are fascinating. Which one did you like? Did you watch the Falwell one? I watched the Tammy Faye one. Oh, the Tammy um, Faye one is amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Well, you know, when you look at the, the, the family and the relationship you guys have with, you know, just the way you talk to one another, I mean, you know, just duplicitous and, and just like really nasty sometimes. It kind of reminds me of like, it's like a televangelist succession. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people relate us to that show. And I have to say, I've never really watched it. Um, no, probably because no. people do that so much. I know now, though, I can watch the whole thing, right? I can just, like, sit down and spend a week or three of my life and, like, get it done. Yes. Um, but I think people relate us so much to that show. Um, and I think maybe I'd had enough of, like, people being shitty to each other that I didn't want to spend my time yeah, watching yeah. it. But, um, but it is. It's really... And it's also siblingdom, in a way. And I think that's what, what connects those two shows, right? It's like these people that we love um, but also can take sort of the hardest hits that we can, that we can dole out because they are family. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the one thing about uh, succession and your show, I think is that it makes it look like being rich isn't actually as cool as we all think it like that that's from succession. And that's from you guys. It's like, it's mockery of, of rich people with unlimited yeah. means, you know? Yeah, I think we have this idea, right? Wealth, capitalism, it's like something we all strive for. Well, if I had money, then I'd be okay. And the truth is, what is it? <laughs> more money, more problems. Like, it's yeah. just, it, it, it gets complicated. And your, your vision of life gets skewed and you kind of stop realizing what's really important. Um, and I think that's cool that each season of our show kind of does is it, it, it just dives into the deep end of, of, of wealth and over the topness. And then somehow through that, we have to find each other again. We have to find like why, why we're in this, which is like forgiveness and, and each other. It's funny in the description of your character. One of the same things it says is that uh, she encourages Jesse's ambitions to take more control of the church while privately struggling with his negative qualities. Right? <laughs> um, Well-written. Yes. Do you, I mean, do you really love him? Does Amber really love him? I think she does. I think she really does. And I think what's cool about this season, you'll see a little bit of history in the flashback episode in episode five. You'll sort of see uh, some previous Amber and Jesse, which is a cool touchback. I love those flashback episodes because they really deepen the story of the present moment. Um, I think she does love him. I think there's a cool scene in, in episode two, I mean, in uh, season two where it's like the girls' time when Aunt Tiff and Edie and, and I are all in the room together. Sure. And I'm like talking about how like he's not right all the time. It's like, it's like she does love him. She's also, I think, sometimes totally disgusted by him. And the unraveling of their marriage in season one, where she really, I think before she was sort of in the dark, thinking that he was perfect and everything was good. And then he had this huge um, betrayal. And that, I think brought their relationship to a really authentic place where she was like, okay, he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but we're choosing each other. And um, I think, look, if you guys have partners and you think they're hundred percent rad, God bless you. Yeah. But I think we all have, have moments where we're like, Oh, that thing they do. Um, <laughs> his, his are just, you know, in front of an entire church. So it's that much more embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So I know at, uh, at college you majored in theater. Were you always going to be an actor? Is that what you knew you wanted to be from the jump? I think so. Yeah. You know, as I, as I look down, um, someone once told me when I said I wanted to be an actor, a mentor of mine said, if you can do 
anything else, do that. Hmm. Um, cause this is, this is not an easy road, but, um, you know, I think I was three years old when my mom put me in ballet and she said I was five cause I was huge. Um, and she had to lie to get me in. <laughs> and I think she just wanted me like out of the house. She's like, please give this child something to do. Um, and both my older brothers are actors. Um, it's sort of a family affair. So, you know, I was raised in downtown Chicago. We were in the opera, we were around dance and theater, and it just was something that was very, um, it was very available to us to see. And my brothers are five and 10 years older than me. So I got to see them on stages as a pretty young kid. And it just was a place where, you, like, there was no right or wrong. You know, you just had to show up and be as present as possible. And that always felt like so much fun to me. And I thought, gosh, if I can make a living doing that, like, how amazing would that be? And it just always was a place I was charmed to be. And I'm grateful that I get to do it because it's a very small percentage of us that get to make a living doing yeah. it. Yeah. So what was your your best high school performance? If you go back and you think oh. about your high school plays, what was your mm -hmm. best performance and role? Sally Bowles and Cabaret. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That was yep. done in a high school, huh? Yes, very inappropriately. <laughs> um, wow, not, that's ballsy, huh? It sure was. It sure was. And, you know, I think it had to be, it was a, it was a visiting professor. So, like, he couldn't get fired, right? Um, <laughs> and I think our theater teacher, Mrs. Hardigan, was stoked to have this person come in and do this pretty ballsy, daring show. Um, I remember my mother showing me the movie uh, and just being like, watch this and like, you know, feel this. I think it's such a cool musical. Oh, it's we amazing. Always did, it is. We did, a, we did a musical every spring. I mean, trying to get 14 to 18 year old girls as Kit Kat girl. I mean, just wildly inappropriate. This could not happen in 2023. No, but, no. But in 1998, I got to tell you, it was off the hook. And yeah. um, it was so much fun to play that part. The songs were so incredible to sing. And I just loved it. You know, I love learning about actors. Um, you know, you know, we, we find out that we're interviewing somebody and you go online and you read about them. And so you have a band with your brothers. Is, is, do you still have a band with your brothers, the decoy? The real decoy. Yeah. The real decoy. No, yes. The real decoy. I love um, that. Thank you. We make a joke that everyone calls us the real decoy. And we're like, oh, it's like that, that movie, that Tom Hanks movie, the Oneaters, um, that thing you do. I don't know. It's yeah, one of my favorite yeah. movies. Um, and everyone called them the Oneaters and they're like, the wonders. Um, <laughs> we, you know, I, my brother and I both went to Middlebury College and the other bandmate, Andy Mitten, was between us because we were five years apart. So we were never there together. And they played music together at Middlebury. And then they both were, we were all in LA. And we, I don't know, it, when you're in your 20s in LA and like nothing's happening, you have to find ways to be creative. And so we rented this like shoebox um, near a highway and we just made as much noise as we possibly could. Mm. And I love to sing and I played keyboard in that band pretty horribly. My brother's a percussionist and Andy's an incredible songwriter. He writes musicals and um, I mean, he he's just incredible so we just we played around LA as much as we could and then we got the opportunity to play in, at the Isle of Wight Festival in England which was a cool. huge a huge opportunity I like to say we opened up for Pearl Jam but we played about six hours before them on a different stage but I still like to say that because it I makes would me run feel with that good. Yeah, right? sure. absolutely oh yeah right? own yeah. it yeah. So anytime that someone has a jam band or like you know people are bringing instruments together I just think it's a really cool way to be together and to share stuff because music is like the greatest thing.
So I, gotta, I, I just want to tell, tell ahead, you, sir. I listened to uh, one of the songs, uh, Red Rover. Uh-huh. <laughs> you guys, I mean, it's indie rock. Yeah. And it's great. Dude, I mean, the band, the band is really, really good. I mean, the vocals are great. Um, the lyrics are great. I love Ooh. it. So are you, are you not, is that, was that kind no, of a passing it, fancy or are you, you well, still play? No, we don't because Andy moved to the East Coast and had kids and my brother had kids and now I have a kid and I don't know, kids ruin everything. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we all got yokoed by our kids. Um, it just was <laughs> like, uh, you know, people grow up and grow out. But I, I have this idea that in the future, once we can all be in the same place, we could have a little revival. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so last thing for you, your family also has had, has had a cattle ranch in Montana. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work on the ranch? What's the most valuable lesson you learned from living and working on a ranch? Man, um, yes, I often worked on the ranch. Uh, I did things that friends of mine in Chicago were like, what? A cow's what? <laughs> um, and the things, gosh, the things I learned working on the ranch. Um, it's just nice to be outside. Um, and animals are pretty special. You know, I, um, I just think there's we're losing it every day. Uh, the ability to be uh, of the earth, you know, I don't want to go into some like speech about people and, 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 and phones and technology, but there's just something really special about, um, about being outside, about working with your hands, about slowing down, um, that the ranch offered me and the work that I did with horses growing up, and the ability to train horses and ride horses was just, it just, I think it, I think it broadened my sense of self as a, as a person. You know, I wasn't just a city kid from Chicago. I got this incredible country mouse opportunity too. And my dad still lives out there full time. And uh, we don't raise cattle anymore because my mom passed and it's a lot for him to do alone. But it's, um, it's really, it's still our, our family home. It's where we go for Christmas and uh, summer and stuff. No, very cool. Very so cool. So Steve, Steve and I are not uh, uh, notoriously morning people. What mm-hmm. time would you have to get up in the morning to do the work that needed to be done on the ranch? Oh, man, there was actually a summer when I, after high school, I went out there. My parents weren't even out there. Our ranch manager was there and I lived in a trailer outside of his house. And I just like hayed for the whole summer. So I lived in a tractor with my dog. Um that's a good 5 a.m. wake up, especially mm. in the summer because the sun gets like there's never not sun um, in the summer. And so you're just working. But I'm an early riser. That's I, I love the morning. I'm a very I'm very much a morning person. And then if you want to talk to me like after 4 p.m., we're pretty much not we're not going to talk because yeah, I see I would uh, if I was on the ranch, I'd have those little push uh, cushioned uh, glasses, uh, you know, the the things you put over <laughs> your eyes, because I have so much trouble with the morning. Like even now, <laughs> Sue and I joke when we come on and we start talking in the morning. It's like even now. You know, it's 10, 20 in the morning. I'm like, oh, God, yeah. it's so early for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I just... think this is this is maybe why I didn't mind having a kid either, because everyone's like, they're going to get you up so early. And I'm like, yeah, I'm already up. It's yeah. well, you know, and it also depends on what you're used to. You know, I did stand up comedy for many, many years. And, you know, there were nights where I was going on at three o'clock in the morning. Right. So right. I'd sleep till two in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, in college, I just did this thing. It's called just not sleeping. Um, cause I had a radio yeah. show and that was, and I, I was you a, a young, radio was, show. Yeah. Yeah. At WRMC 91.1 FM Middlebury. And it wow. was wow. awesome. 
Um, I actually drive this old camper van around uh, that I makes me just fills me with joy. And um, it has a tape deck in it, which is very rare these days. Sure. And um, I have this humongous case logic full of all of my radio shows when I was in college. And I just pop them in and listen to the stuff that I did. And it's hilarious to me. Anyone else gets in the car and I turn it off because I'm wildly embarrassed, but I love listening to them. So what was the format? What kind of radio did you do? You know, so WRMC, like uh, students had like two hour blocks, basically. And when I was a freshman and sophomore, they gave me like one to 3 a.m. block. So this is what I'm getting at, that I would be on the radio speaking to six people, maybe while they're sleeping (laughs) or driving. Hopefully not at the same time. And uh, I would play music. I played electronic music because I was into that for a while. And then it turned into a lot of indie rock. And then I ran like the concert series because we would invite people to come to Middlebury and play because no one like passes through Middlebury. Right, Um, right. So it was it was really fun. It was it was a really cool opportunity. I hope everyone in college gets to gets to be part of a radio show. Very cool. Well, oh, listen. just real quick, just real real quick, yeah, I want to yeah. just want to ask about your camper van. So, oh yeah, do you do you use your camper van? I mean, do mm-hmm. you go do you, do you go to like RV parks and things like that? Is that because because I have a travel trailer, my husband and yeah, I, cool, and, yeah, and, and that's what we do all the time. Mine's a Euro van, so it's like very. It's a two thousand three. Eurovan. It does not have the kitchen in it because I think that's weird to cook in your bed, but um, it has the bed in the back. And yeah, my dude and I uh, would often during COVID just drive up into Colorado and find hot springs and then just sleep in mm. our car, even in January. And I got to tell you, it's chilly, but it was super fun. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, listen, Righteous Gemstones, one of the highlights of my week. It is back for <laughs> season three, uh, Sunday Enjoy nights it. on HBO. Uh, Cassidy, thanks a lot for doing this. It's really fun and appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys. There you have it, Cassidy Freeman. And I think you nailed it on this show when you called it silly. It is just a silly, silly show, which I love. And it's surprising that she said that she had never done comedy before. I know. That is crazy because I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I didn't go back and watch Vampire Diaries, but I can't imagine her doing. I only imagine her as Amber now. Yeah, I mean, she was a. I I didn't watch Vampire Diaries, but just reading about it, she was a badass, you know, character. You know, real toughy. You know, she was a nine hundred year old vampire. I don't think yeah. there was a lot of levity in it. And then she was in Smallville. So, um, yeah, it was that 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 totally shocked me. I don't because I, I would think that that's exactly the type of actress they would have been looking for somebody who had major comedy chops. Yes. So that's a testament to how versatile she is. How good she is and how funny the show is. It is such a funny show. Mm. Um, All right. So uh, don't forget uh, righteous gemstones on Sunday nights, nine o'clock Eastern six o'clock Pacific. Uh, It is really, really a funny show. Uh, The first few episodes are out now on HBO. Strong recommend. Go back from the beginning and and rifle through it because it's funny stuff. Uh, Don't forget, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching right now, subscribe to the YouTube channel. uh, And feel free to leave a comment, a review. Uh, I'm trying to respond to that stuff. Uh, And if you want to follow the show on YouTube, go to YouTube.com and search Culture Pop Podcast, of course, We're on Apple and Spotify, and we welcome your comments and stuff uh, on there and love when you subscribe. It means a lot to us. Sue Baloo, it is great seeing you, and we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.